0: There are no creative people and non-creative people. There are people who use their creativity and those who don't. And I think that's what I try to do is remind people of that they are curious. They are, by being a human being, you are
1: naturally creative. Welcome back to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I am your host, Mike Flynn, and if you're just joining us, I interview entrepreneurs and leaders who are using their platform to have a game-changing impact in the lives of others. And each guest is part of a series such as Leadership, The Champion's Mindset, or in this case, Happiness. Far too often, we allow happiness to take on a form of a mythical creature that constantly eludes our grasp Here one minute and gone the next. And many in society have taught us to believe that we cannot choose to be happy because happiness is something that can only be earned. In other words, we often think of happiness in this way. I will be happy when I accomplish X, Y, or Z. I will be happy when I lose 15 pounds. I will be happy when my business is successful. But in reality, happiness is within our grasp in the here and now. And every day, we have the power and free will to choose to be happy no matter our life circumstance. In fact, Viktor Frankl says, no matter our life circumstance, the last human freedom no one can take from us is the ability to choose our attitude. That comes from his book, Man's Search for Meaning, which he wrote after being freed from a Nazi concentration camp where his wife, unborn child, mother and father were killed. So yes, no matter our life circumstance, we have the free will to choose to be happy. Now, my hope is that the guests coming up, the guests you will hear from these next few weeks will breathe life into your ability to choose to be happy today, tomorrow and every day. Doing so will give you and I an advantage in business, relationships, and life in general. I need to hear this just as much as the next person. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, and brace for impact. The final guest in our series on happiness is Jason Kotecki. Jason is a professional reminder and permission-granter who moonlights as an artist, author, and professional speaker. Jason and his wife, Kim made it their mission in life to help people and organizations break free from adult-itis to build better lives, businesses, and teams. Jason's colorful art has been collected and licensed all over the world, and his insights have been featured in publications like Inc. and Women's Day magazine. He is the author of six books, including Penguins Can't Fly, plus 39 Other Rules That Don't Exist, which has been translated into languages he can't even read. As a speaker, Jason works with organizations to beat burnout and become more innovative by breaking rules that don't exist. He is recognized by the National Speakers Association as a certified speaking professional. Only the top 10% of speakers in the world have this designation, which is the profession's highest earned international measure of platform competence ethical standards, and proven track record of expertise and excellence. Ultimately, Jason creates art, observations, and experiences that give people hope and the freedom to live joyfully. His greatest desire is to use his talents to share God's love and impact lives by inspiring, entertaining, and encouraging people to rekindle their childlike spirit and create the life they were made for. An avid eater of sugar-laden cereal Jason enjoys Star Wars, soft t-shirts, and brand-new tubes of paint. He and Kim homeschool their three weird kids and live in Madison, Wisconsin, where they eat way too many cheese curds. So bust out your pens and paper, take some notes, get ready to escape adulthood with Jason Kotecki. Jason Kotecki, welcome to the Impact Entrepreneur Show. I think this might be the the second or third time that we've tried to uh, to nail this thing down, but I, I I believe that now is the time. And as we wrap up the series that we're doing on happiness, I couldn't imagine a better person to close the loop on happiness with us, or or continue the conversation on happiness rather. But welcome back to the show.
0: We'll get it right one of these times, Mike. It's great to be here. Uh, Thanks for having me.
1: You are very welcome. Well, I always kick things off with the superpower question, and uh, there's a twist on that, which is if you could pick any skill set that you currently possess and turn it into a superpower, what might it be?
0: Any skill set I currently possess? That is a good question. So, like, is this if it's a skill set I already have? Is it already sort of a superpower for me, or, or is it like to turn it into a superpower for other people?
1: No, no, it would be it would be a, a, a superpower that a skill set that you have that you would turn into a superpower for yourself.
0: I think I think what okay, what comes to mind first is the ability to take complicated things and break them on, on to be easily understood which is I, I think is something that I do with my art, and I think it's something that I do as a speaker, and I think I, it's something I do as a writer. Um, and I've only sort of recently realized that is seems to be a skill set. So I think that's a that's a helpful thing for people because I think we're Things are just getting more and more complicated in the world with all of the technology and all the noise that we have. And sometimes even though we have all of the information we could possibly have at our fingertips, sometimes we need to be able to disseminate things and say like, "Okay, what what really matters? What's the how can we boil this down into its simplest terms?"
1: Hmm. How did you discover that you possessed that skill set and what are you doing to develop it?
0: Uh, that's a great question too. Um well, I think anything that you're good at, you take for granted, right? Like I think we undervalue the stuff that we're we're good at because it comes easy to us. and if it becomes easy to us, we assume it must come easy to everyone else. So I think for me, it was it was other people noticing it and pointing it out um, in me. and it, you know, sort of that, really? That's a thing. I didn't know that was a thing. So once I started to realize that, then I think it's a little bit more of being on purpose about it. And so I, you know, I would say in the last year, two years, maybe in, in my writing is kind of asking that question of like, how can I make this simple? How can I, is always asking the like, who cares, you know, come up with an idea of like, who cares? What does this matter? And so then I I think that helps to be able to then maybe take things to another level.
1: Interesting. Is Is this thought process something that you've Kind of always had, or did you have a mentor or somebody that kind of helped you bring this this thought process to light?
0: I don't know. I'm not sure if I can answer that. I think I, you know, I look up to uh, people like Seth Godin um, and um, Malcolm Gladwell. Like th- those are like classic people for being able to take a metaphor turning something into a metaphor or giving something a name. So like purple cow or tipping point. Um, I think in some ways that, you know, on a much smaller scale, like that's something my wife and I did with adultitis is this disease that we have set aside as sort of the enemy that we're fighting, but it helps. It's one of those things that like, as soon as people hear adultitis, they instantly know kind of what it means. And it gives them a name for something that didn't have a name before. And I remember one time I, I think I emailed Seth Godin about something and he actually pointed out, he said, do you know that adultitis literally means swelling of the adult? because uh, itis is swelling." And I, I was like, yeah, I said, that's actually perfect. I didn't think of that when I na- made up the name, but that's perfect it, because it's when you have too much adult in your life is when you have adultitis. So yeah. So then I, you know, and I think one of the things I learned there, there's a speaker, um, by the name of Lou Heckler, who is an amazing storyteller. And one of the things that that I learned from him was he said that adults learn differently than children, that once we're adults, we learn by saying, what is this like? And and so, you know, I think uh, if you look back to uh, Steve Jobs, when he developed the iPhone and the iPad, he was really big now, which is sort of controversial and not very popular, is that skeuomorphism, where things look like real things. And his whole concept was like, this should look like a desktop under glass that you just move things around. And I think in the early days, that was important for adoption because it helped people to see like, this is a whole new technology we've never seen before, but we can understand it because it's like this. Um, And so I think, I think for me, making that connection and hearing that and seeing it more like, yeah, that is how adults learn. It's like, well, what is this like? It's you know Uber is like taxi plus this, and I think that is a valuable skill, realizing that that's how we adults learn things um by by associating things that we already
1: know. I love that. I love that i wanna I wanna dive into that a little bit more in terms of how we can apply this concept of what is this like to happiness. But uh, before we dive into that and to your business of escape adulthood, I want to know why you are an entrepreneur. What was the impact moment that launched you and your wife, Kim, on this path that you are currently running down?
0: Well, there are probably a a lot of contributing factors. The one I I like to joke about the most is, is realizing that I'm unemployable, so that i uh, kind of left me with not a lot of options um when i was in let's see i was in high school i i worked for a car dealership and i basically washed cars and ran errands for parts and stuff and it was a good job for a teenager but i hated it which is you know pretty normal but when i looked around and saw the other uh mechanics they also seemed to be hating their time there and i thought well this is this is kind of ridiculous that this is you're supposed to like your job. This is what you do every day. Like this is just a high school thing for me. This is temporary. And I sort of made a promise to myself that I was going to to work, I was going to find work and something that that excited me and that mattered to me. Now, um the challenge is that at the time and I was I was looking to be an artist and I was going to art school and a lot of the staff jobs were going away like for staff illustrators and so I kind of knew that was going to have to do some sort of a freelance thing if I wanted to make it so I kind of already had the uh, pump primed if you will that entrepreneurship was probably the way I was gonna go but as I you know as I got older and again after I got out of uh, uh school I worked for a year at a newspaper uh, as a designer doing just basic ad layout and stuff like that and again it was just like man this this working for someone is for the birds. And uh, so I think that helped give me the fuel and the determination to, to do my own thing, which is challenging as hard. Um, it's, you know, people would always say, I don't know how you stay at home and work all day. I would just be busy watching TV. And, and I'm like, well, when you have a rent to pay, it's pretty motivating to not just sit <laughs> on the couch, you know? So I, I, I thought that was very helpful, but at the same time, I think now as I've Grown into it, I, I just love being an entrepreneur. I love the creativity that's involved in it. I love the problem solving that goes into it. I, I think as Kim, when Kim and I got married and, and we kind of knew that we wanted to, to move towards this escape adulthood brand and concept, then again, there that's not a job that you just get. That's something you have to create. So I, you know, on today, today you ask me, and I'm like, oh man, I love being an entrepreneur. I love the challenge about it. And then Probably in two days they'll be like, ah, I hate the challenge. I hate trying to figure this out. It's always a struggle. Blah blah blah. And and so it just depends on the day. But I think overall, it's kind of a it's kind of a fun a fun thing to me that I just I love the the challenge of it. I love the craft and the science of it. And um, I love being able to be rewarded for the work that I do. I think that was something I saw in my dad. He worked at a lumberyard for a lot of years, and he, he made a lot of contributions to that company. But it never really made that much of a difference because it was so poorly run that he never got much fruit out of his labor. And I, I always just thought, man, if he was doing his own thing, he'd be he'd be getting rewarded for this. So I think that, that's a long winded answer to say there's a lot of reasons I love being an entrepreneur, and a lot of reasons I got into it.
1: But I I, I love the your answer though, and I think that. What you just said about one day loving the challenge and the struggle and the next day not loving the challenge and the struggle is perfect because you as an artist and a creative person, like that is the that's the same kind of struggle that you face as a as a creator. Right. As somebody who's creating art and and uh, and so it aligns perfectly with who you were meant to be. You know, you, you guys just didn't just start to be decide to become entrepreneurs and to start some sort of an online marketing business or whatever. You decided to start a company called Escape Adulthood which is is there's so much to unpack there because you know we spend our whole adolescence waiting to be an adult and thinking about the freedom that it's going to provide us. And then we arrive at adulthood and we're like Whoa, (laughs) what happened to what, what happened to everything that I was envisioning and hoping for and who are all these bitter people around me? (laughs) Right.
0: Talk about bait and
1: switch, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What was the, how did, how did you guys come up with this?
0: Well, um, I think it's almost exactly what you said. You know, you have this sort of idealized version of adulthood of like, oh, I finally get to drink a beer and I get to, you know, make my own choices and all these different things. And then of course you get, get into reality of bills and mortgages and, and yeah, bitter people. And I, and I, and I think it was, you know, right around when Kim and I were graduating we were looking to get in the real world and there's an excitement about that, but then you see the bitterness and the jadedness that is so common with today's modern life. And, and at the time, I think we had a special window into it because Kim has a background in early childhood. She was uh, studying to be a kindergarten teacher, which she did for about five years. And so we would look at these kids and how joyful and the sense of curiosity that they had and these big dreams and this zest for life and joyfulness. And then the contrast to what we were seeing with adulthood was completely different. And You know, we 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 asked why? Why is that? And you know, the obvious is well, because you have bills and a job and this and that. And I was challenged to say, I think it's more than that. I think that there are things that kids naturally have that we all had that we sort of abandon as we got older. And I think that the people who I look around and see are successful adults and human beings who are making a difference in the world are the people who still have that curiosity. I mean. To think about some of the stuff with Elon Musk and Richard Branson wanting to go figure out how to get us in space, like space tourism, and I mean, is there anything more like childlike, boyish than that? I mean, that's like <laughs> that's like basic, you know, hairbrain schemes of, of boyhood, and I love it. And I think that's people who are who are uh, making a difference in the world. They still have that sense of curiosity. They still have that ability to delight in the little things and dream big and and these things that that we all had when we were kids but for whatever reason we sort of abandoned I think maybe we abandoned it and it, because we we want to look grown up we want to look responsible we want to have people take us seriously and I think that's exactly the road that adultitis wants us to to go down as it is sort of this like slippery
1: slope so how how do you? teach this how do you how do you teach curiosity and and reengaging this childlike mentality that we can use throughout our our day in order to be more productive and and more engaged in what we're doing and ultimately more happy
0: well frankly i don't think that i teach anybody anything um, I jokingly refer to myself as a professional reminderer, um, which usually draws a laugh in, when I'm talking about that in speeches and stuff. But it's it's true. I'm reminding of people things they already know, things they already knew. I've come to realize that it's sort of it, it feels ridiculous that I make a living being a professional reminderer. I'll I'll make a, a thing in a in a talk. I'll say, look, I'm going to talk, and you're, there's not going to be anything new. You're going to hear from me. So, spoiler alert. However, when we're in the day-to-day crush of living, and a lot of times we just find ourselves caught in survival mode, just keeping up with the to-do list of the day, we don't give ourselves a chance to look at the thirty-thousand-foot picture and uh, remember some of these things that we knew so well when we were kids. Um, I like to I like to quote Brene Brown, who said that there are no creative people and non-creative people. There are people who use their creativity and those who don't and i think that's what i try to do is remind people of that they are curious they are by being a human being you're naturally creative that's what makes us different than animals it's just a matter of being aware of it and then deciding to start tapping into it and i i try to give examples i try to Show what it's like. I try to remind them of what they were like when they were like that uh, to give them uh, impetus to say, "Oh yeah," and kind of wake them up a little bit so that they'll want to be more mindful. Because to me, that's what it all comes down to: is being intentional, being mindful of the choices we make, and not settling for all of the things we think we're supposed to do.
1: Mm -hmm. What What do you? I mean, you guys do these escape adulthood summits, and and you get people wearing. Capes and and doing what we as adults would qualify as silly, right? Like acting, acting childish, you know. And so I, I'm just curious what the kind of transformation you see going on in these people when they attend your workshops.
0: Oh, it's it's amazing, and I think so. What what Kim and I what puts us in a, is in a unique spot is that we're we're actually pretty reserved. We're not. We're not like the type of person who's gonna go, you know, run out in a clown costume and run down the street. I mean, I'm an introvert, Kim's an introvert. Um, and so we have a, a kind of a special brand where our silliness is, I will say, palatable to the a large population. Whereas, you know, we have some people that come to the summit who literally are clowns. Like that's what they do. And like <laughs> they're 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 we're preaching to the choir with them, but they like to be connected to like-minded people. But we're looking more for the regular people. So, you know, a lot of times like last year and this year, again, they're coming back. We had like a team of like four or five people that were work colleagues that got sent to, to, to come together. And a lot of what we do is just really simple stuff. I mean, we do have fun and we, we are silly, but I, I like to make a distinction that there's a difference between being childlike and childish and Anyone with a husband probably knows the difference between <laughs> those two things. So, you know, at the summits, we're we're, we're talking about deep stuff. We get together and, and we have a lot of fun, but we also have breakouts and mastermind sessions where we're talking about how, if you're a caregiver, how do you find time for yourself when you're maybe taking care of an aging parent and kids? Or how do you um, bring more fun into the workplace in a productive way. That's that's um, not going to get you branded as the crazy misfit person. And how do you find you know how do you become a more fun parent without letting the kids run all over you and not having any discipline in the house? So it's it's a lot of real practical discussion, but we also give people opportunities to have fun. So one of the things we did last year is people arrived and we had food carts. For lunch. And so we had like a grilled cheese food cart where they had all these really cool gourmet grilled cheeses. And then Kim uh, found some cosplayers who dressed up like Captain America and Batman and Supergirl. And they were good. I mean, they were, I mean, she spent a lot of time finding some legit, really good costumes and stuff. And so people, we had like a red carpet and people got to go up to the red carpet and get their picture taken with these superheroes. And you know, you go to Disney adults like to do that. You know, you just, sometimes you just have to give people permission. And so that's the other thing I I say, I'm, I'm part permission grantor and part professional reminder. And a lot (laughs) of the stuff that I talk about is just people stuff people want to do. They're nodding their heads, but you look around the world and there's not a lot of people giving them permission to do this sort of thing. And so when, when someone is up there like me on stage or through a book or something and saying, yeah, this is, you can do this. It's like, all right, you know, and so sometimes just being that person to give people affirmation and encouragement is a powerful thing.
1: There are two things that really struck me just now. One is, number one, I want to learn how I could be a better, more fun parent because it's something I, I mean I, I think I'm pretty fun, but but I also think I could pre- be pretty stern and let my adultitis get get in the way of being a fun parent but so i'd love to to get your tips on that cuz i know i have a lot of parents that listen to the show and the other thing is giving allowing yourself to have permission to engage into uh, you know your your childhood or to be childlike without being childish I, i'd love to figure out some tips or tricks or tools to kind of put people on a path where they can they can do that so maybe first start with what are some of the ways that people can become more fun as a parent?
0: So here this is an important thing is is a lot of the ideas that we talk about are based on the concept that you already have you already have a little bit of structure. Like one of the things we say is a parent's first job is parenting. Um it's not your job to be your kids' friends or their playmates or their butlers, right? So um, that's not to not not to mean that you can't have a good relationship with them. But um, no one else is going to parent your kid except the parent. And so I think one of the first jobs that Kim and I have is for our kids not to be (laughs) dirtbags. And so I think, you know, uh, we have an expectation of how you act in public and that we have bedtimes and there's chores and things like that. But when you have that, um, and the other thing that goes with that is that kids actually need rules. They need structure. That was one of the things Kim learned in her early childhood education um, studies is that, you know, kids need structure and routine in order to feel safe and grow and thrive. That's why you see that kids who are uh, abandoned or have are in orphanages don't have like a solid home life. Parents are gone or, you know, they're on drugs or like that's terrible because they don't have that safe place. Right. So that's that's the thing that is the first thing Now, once you have that established, then you can add fun things. Um, So one of the things that we talk about is this idea of doing a a pajama run, where you put your kids to bed on a school night, and then about 15 or 20 minutes after they've been in bed, you go into their room, wake them up. um, Everyone runs into the car, still in their pajamas, and you go out for ice cream. And it's like this surprise treat. Now, that doesn't work if kids are eating ice cream at 10 o'clock at night every night, or if kids don't have bedtime. So, you know, that's the sort of thing that, that you have to have the, the the stuff in place first. But I think, you know, a lot of it to me goes to tinkering. So some parents, maybe uh, we perceive them as they're naturally fun. They're the fun parent and other ones maybe are a little bit more reserved. And I think the key is just to to start where you're at. Like if you're not the type that's ever going to, do some crazy thing. Like one of the ideas we have is a uh, barbarian spaghetti, which is you basically have spaghetti <laughs> with no plates. You just dump the spaghetti on the table and pull it towards you. Now, a lot of times guys are like, Oh, we're totally gonna do that. And then the mom is like, that's never happening in my home. And it's like, okay, so don't start there. Then maybe you start with eating dessert first one time or having breakfast for dinner. Like, you know, start where you are that you don't have to have a nuclear powered bazooka just to, to blow away your comfort zone. You just start in little, little spots. And I think again, a lot of it comes back to intentionality. So one of the greatest emails I ever got was from a mom who said that, you know, she got home from work and her daughter was there and she had a long list of to do. She had to do the dishes. She had some stuff she had to take care of. And her daughter just wanted to sit and watch Mary Poppins. And so, the mom said, "You know what? Tonight, I just kept the dishes dirty, and I just curled up in the sofa with my daughter, and we watched Mary Poppins together. And she talked about what a gift it was to be able to do that. And she was inspired by us talking about just being mindful once in a while. And I, to me, that's that's what it's about. You know, like uh, one of the things Kim and I look at is this concept of a bank deposit. That if you spend time with your kids." one-on-one, intentional, like just doing what they want to do and you're not directing it, that's putting like a deposit. That's like a deposit in a bank. So that then two days later, when you're at church or you're at uh, going shopping and you need to try and close and you need them to be good, then you can make a withdrawal because you've already put something in. A lot of times we get so caught up that we get have the kids... All, you were always taking withdrawals from them. They have to sit still and stand up straight and be quiet and this and that. and they get that all day long at school and that's just hard when you don't have anything else to give. And so, you know, that's those are some thoughts. those are some ideas, but I think it, it all starts with, you know, it's it's not being this crazy parent who's not responsible. That actually is the most important part first. And when you get that down, you're the, you're the parent, you get to break the rules once in a while, right? If you, if you're and, a parent yeah. and what good is being a parent, if you don't get to break the rules once in a while, that, that, <laughs> you, you know, that's what it's all about. And so it's hard. Parenting is hard, but I think, uh, the other part is, is how do we live our lives, right? If we're telling an amazing story with our lives, then it makes it more likely that our kids will do the same with theirs too. Um, so it goes back to that do what I say and not what I do line that has always been sort of a myth.
1: And giving yourself permission. I mean, you, you talked about permission to break the rules and and also giving yourself permission not to compare yourself to the other people in your life who who are seemingly more fun than you. I loved those ideas and I'm totally going to implement some of those. I mean, the, the putting the kids to bed and then surprising them and taking them to ice cream. I would love to do the barbarian spaghetti thing, maybe outside during the summer. Um, uh, we'd have to see how my, uh, my, my wife responds to that. I'm a little bit of a germ freak. So the idea of, uh, Everybody like piling their hands into a big pile of spaghetti kind of freaks me out.
0: Well, you can use utensils. And here, here's the other thing. <laughs> mom, the only reason I share this, I feel I feel like, well, a dad, of course, a dad is going to. But it's a mom <laughs> that gave me this idea. And she said people get freaked out about the mess. But she said the key is you get one of those cheap plastic tablecloths. And then you put that down. And then at the end, you just roll it up and throw it away. And she said it's like the perfect it's the most perfect cleanup ever. Um and she did she said they do it at picnics sometimes. Um they just you know put out the plastic tablecloth. And they still have forks and stuff, but they just don't they just don't have plates. They just plop the spaghetti in the middle and they just kind of pull what they want towards them. So
1: It's the Italian version of the 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 Louisiana crawfish boil.
0: There you go. Exactly. <laughs> right? It works for that. Why yeah.
1: The other one the, the other one I heard recently was uh was somebody that, Put a Nerf gun or a few Nerf guns out in front of their house, and their kids came home, and uh, there was a note on the front door that says, "Mom's playing hide and seek. Uh, come find me. I have my own Nerf gun." And, <laughs> uh, and and they had a massive Nerf gun battle. How awesome would that be? <laughs> yeah, that's classic. You. Um, so you is your wife also an artist?
0: No not not in a similar she's actually quite a quite a good photographer that i've been encouraging her um to pursue because she'll she'll go on little walks and she'll take pictures on her phone of nature and i'm just blown away by her eye like that's something i've never been able to do is take pictures of nature and have it look anything interesting and she's got a knack for that but uh, she would not consider herself an artist she's a little bit more of the some of the the details and systems person, where I'm, I tend to be more of the big big picture person.
1: Well, I mean, I think that there's a lot that art that entrepreneurs can learn from artists and creative people like yourselves. And one of the reasons I say that is because you just um, made this painting, this oil painting of a of a uh, bomb bomb popsicle, and you you published this video kind of explaining the process that you went through uh to create it and what you were thinking and and there's all of these concepts not only these artistic concepts but these revelations that you had about risk and adventure and incorporating the whimsy in there and I'd love for you to maybe share other artistic concepts that would be helpful for entrepreneurs to apply as they're coming up with what their vision is or their their big idea is of why it's important to play in the edges.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So just to, just to give people a little idea on that, you know, is this idea of this bomb pop that I painted as if it's a rocket ship blasting off into, into space. And one of the things that occurred to me was like how, how much trying new things and, and launching new initiatives is can be scary because there could be failure involved. There could be loss of, of money. Obviously, in the case of a, of a real rocket, it could be loss of life, um, and I think that in business it's the same thing. Anytime you're trying to launch off into a new initiative or project or a new market, it's tricky. There, you could lose money, you could lose time. Hopefully, you don't lose your life, but um, there, it's still fearful, right? And so, I think if, for me, with that particular painting, adding the whimsy to it is also remembering the flip side of how fun. A new initiative can be, and how much you can learn from it, and and the excitement of starting something new. So I think that's important to keep in mind. Um, you know, another thing that I like to talk about from the art world is if you remember uh, Bob Ross, that the the Afro guy from the seventies, oh, yeah. he would paint the happy little trees and and whatnot, and he would talk about happy accidents, right? So in art, when you're making something, sometimes the watercolor doesn't go the way you want it to go, or sometimes your brush slips, and you make a mistake on your painting. And it's really easy to want to just throw it away in the garbage and start over. But if you can embrace it and as a happy accident and say, well, what does this, what does this make possible now that sometimes that can end up making your painting stronger. And you look at, you know, all the classic entrepreneurial stories that began by accident, whether it was a post-it notes or, um, I think of the, I don't know if this is actually real, but I think of it in the old uh, Reese's peanut butter commercials of the person who accidentally dropped peanut butter into chocolate. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is great. Um, but that that stuff happens all the time of uh, scientists are trying to find a, a solution to one thing and they mistakenly discover Teflon, you know. So I think that's an important attitude for an entrepreneur to have is that your mistakes aren't necessarily mistakes. It could be happy accidents. And uh, on the flip side, things that aren't necessarily mistakes but are terrible things that happen or are, uh, you know, a downturn in an economy or a recession could actually be the best thing that ever happened to your business. Um, I remember talking to a very successful real estate developer one time, um, and it was right around 2008, 2009 when the economy was terrible. And he was just beside himself at the negativity people had. He said, I see three opportunities a day that have happened because of this downturn in the economy. He I just don't have the time and money to pursue them all. He's like, I don't understand why people are so doom and gloom about this. And I thought, I've never forgot that lesson because it was all the time. Even now, you were like, oh, back in 2008, things were bad. And it was like, there were a lot of businesses that came out of that downturn. Because of other industries that crumbled. and so, um, I think a lot of times it's it's perspective, how you're going to look at it is it is it a problem or is it an opportunity? And you know, the greatest entrepreneur successes of all time started out as solving problems. that's that's if you can solve a problem that a lot of people have, you're good to go. but you have to look for those problems in the first place. And sometimes they might be problems within your organization or your life. Um, again, how many entrepreneurs started software that they made for themselves because they couldn't find a solution that was out there to a problem they had. And then they figured out, oh, wow, this is a solution that other people might need. And then it turns into a business. So I think that's the key. Of, like Artists are pretty good at looking at things from unusual perspectives. And I think that's a huge thing that anyone can learn, whether they are an entrepreneur or a parent or a spouse, whatever you're doing, looking at things from a new perspective is really powerful.
1: I love that. And it's so true because perspective is reality. And if you're looking at failure or setbacks as failures or setbacks, you're going to have one kind of a response to that. But if you're looking at failure as a happy accident, and trying to perceive the goodness that could come from that, you're going to have a completely different response that's going to be more life giving and add value to your to your own life, and let alone those who are around you. Right, Jason, I, I love this conversation, man. This is this has been a ton of fun. If there's one thing that you want people to remember from our conversation today, what might that be?
0: I think for me, it comes down to choice, right? So. Uh, One of the things I talk about a lot is that we get caught living paint-by-number lives. So, you know, paint-by-numbers, like the old school, it's like, okay, paint all the things that are one yellow, paint all the things that are blue, red, or two red, or whatever. And and you end up with something that kind of sort of looks like a piece of art, but it's not really, because there's no creativity, there's no risk, there's no messiness, and they don't hang paint-by-numbers in the Louvre. I think that we were made for more than a paint-by-number life. I think we're—it's more of a—we have to get back to realizing it's—it's a, it's a choose-your-own-adventure, and going by the things that we think we're supposed to do, whether that's supposed to comes from our parents or teachers or old dead white guys or what have you—is I think that's the beauty of adulthood. Um, so we started at the very beginning talking about about you know you're a kid and you finally get to be an adult. Yeah, when you're a kid. You're, you're stuck having to follow everyone else's rules. You don't get to have the freedom to do what you want to do most of the time. And then you finally become an adult and you give that up. Like that's one of the best parts about being an adult. Um, I don't want to go back to being a kid because I like being an adult. I like ordering strawberry margaritas at a Mexican restaurant. And I like being able to have control over my life decisions and not having people tell me what to do. And I think that's a thing that we give up, that we, we just kind of go with the flow, doing what we think we're supposed to, or what everyone else is doing. And we abdicate the greatest uh, superpower that we have, which is the power to craft our own lives, our own businesses, our own path, and decide how we want to do things. And that involves, you know, breaking, uh, you know, what I call rules that don't exist, and being mindful of like, every little choice you make, saying, why am I doing this? Do I want to do this? Do I have to do this? Do I have to do this right now? Do I have to do this now for a little bit, and then I can shift to something else? But I find a lot of people don't take the time to ask those questions of why are they making the decisions they're making, and are they really the ones that are going to lead to the life that they want to create?
1: I love that, man. I love the concept of of not living a life where you're following the paint-by-numbers kind of a model. I mean, it's such a powerful reality to live in. And so I want to say thank you, Jason, for joining us on the Impact Entrepreneur Show and for creating a space where people can go and re-engage with the superpower of being childlike, incorporate that into their daily lives. And I just really appreciate you and want to affirm you in, in your activities and what you and Kim are creating And putting out into the world. Where can we send people to learn more about what you guys are doing and events that you're holding and where you're speaking, et cetera?
0: Yeah, well, if you go to escapeadulthood.com, that's where you can find us. We're also on at Escape Adulthood pretty much everywhere: Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. But we love we love to have you a part of our uh, group of insiders. It's our it's our merry band of adultitis fighters. It's our weekly newsletter where every week I send a little reminder. Um, usually it's, there's a new piece of art that I've been working on and it's, it's where, it's where we give all of our best stuff. And the people that sign up for it get an ebook of our, of our 15 best adultitis antidotes. So it includes things like barbarian spaghetti and pajama run that we talked about along with a bunch of other ones. So, um, that's free if you sign up for our, our, to be an insider at escapeadulthood.com. We'd love to have you be a part of it.
1: I love it. And then our, Last time we spoke, you were in the process of working on a coloring book for entrepreneurs. How's that coming along?
0: Yeah, well, that's your fault. Uh, that was uh, people had <laughs> people had asked me about that for a years so you should do a coloring book, and I was like, eh, I don't know. And then something about the conversation we had about you know making it a little bit more kind of got me excited about it. So yeah, we're we're I'm probably about three quarters of the way finished with the the creation of it, and it's basically a coloring book journal. So it's got little for lack of a better word like devotionals or or little articles that then have questions and and then there's journal pages that get you thinking about some of these things and acting on some of them. And then of course there's illustrations that you can color and there's different activities and challenges. So I'm really excited about. It. I'm hoping to have it out towards the, you know maybe end of summer or beginning of third quarter in uh, here in 2017. But yeah, I, I owe a lot to you. You were you were a spark there that finally got me to get excited about what it could be from our perspective. And and uh, so yeah, we'll we're we're plugging along on
1: it. Awesome. Well, let me know when it's ready because we will definitely share it out with our audience and and because uh, I think it's it, I think it's going to be a powerful tool for sure. Awesome. Thank you. Well, Jason, thanks again for impacting our audience today.
0: My pleasure. It was great. I'd love to be on anytime.
1: Don't forget about the awesome gifts I have for you, the Clarity of Purpose Scorecard and the Six Bridges to Personal Growth and Well-Being. You can download those by heading over to the impactentrepreneur.net forward slash scorecard. The assessment will be sent to you immediately and I will circle back and email you the Six Bridges tool shortly thereafter. Jason, thank you for impacting our audience today. I loved what you said about perspective and how critical it is to to look at our failures and our setbacks, not as failures and setbacks, but rather happy accidents that might provide us with new opportunities that otherwise may have not existed. And I totally agree with you that we were made for more than a paint-by-numbers kind of a life. If you've missed any of the key points, don't worry. We've got you covered over at theimpactentrepreneur.net forward slash 57. And while you're there, be sure to check out the Lawton Marketing Group and the Podcast Masters. We could not do this show without them. I'm so grateful for those two groups of people and part of my team. Now, until next time, go make an impact.